And I heard about a young boy that drove his mother to church. And uh, I'll read this, but uh, Barry had just received his learner's permit. You know, you take the written test. First time driving was on a Sunday morning, driving his mother to church after a 10-minute ride, which featured speeding, abrupt stops, uh, sharp turns, colliding into curbs, and multiple other uh, infractions. He pulled the car into the church parking lot. His mother got out of the car and said, thank you. Anytime, Barry replied, his mother leaned in and said, I wasn't talking to you, I was talking to the Lord. (laughs) And isn't that true? We all remember the learner's permit. Uh, We are looking at Ruth today as we're in chapter 4. Ruth, as you know, lived 11 or uh, 1,000, 1,100 years before Christ. Samuel the prophet wrote this. We know they read this book annually at harvest time, at Pentecost time. It's a great story of redemption with many types. Of course, we know Naomi is a type of Israel, scattered, losing her land or inheritance, returning one day and redeeming that because her Savior redeems it like Israel will one day return and get their land back. Amen. And uh, Ruth, the type uh, of uh, the Gentile, a, a Moabite, grafted in, undeserving, but grafted into the family of God. And we know Boaz is a type of the Redeemer from Bethlehem in all he does to buy a Ruth's land back and all that. And we're in chapter 4. Love love this book. We're about to finish this book. Uh, it's been a blessing to me to study it. And I have preached through it before many years ago. I don't remember when. But this is a difficult time for Israel. They're threatened all around. Remember, judges were local, not national. The first national leader of Israel was King Saul. So Ehud's fighting the Moabites, Samson's fighting the Philistines, Gideon's fighting with the Midianites, and Jephthah the Ammonites, and there's other groups as well. So here are these judges, 13 in total, fighting all these different people who are all over the Holy Land. And it's difficult, uh, but yet in that, Yahweh preserves his people and his purpose. I have written down here five things that we see happen. First of all, God accepts all who come to him. We see that in Ruth, don't we? A Moabite was not even allowed to enter the house of God. I mean, they were cursed. And yet, whosoever will may come. When she comes to God, everything changes. You know, uh, we were cursed as well on our way to hell. But when we came to God, everything changed. And also, we find God provides for his own as... This little Jewish lady, Naomi, who has to travel home without her husband and sons, is provided for by a godly daughter-in-law. The third, God secures a future for them. He also does that for us. Did you know God's in charge of your tomorrow? You're worried about it. God's not. He's got it. He's got it. Fourth, God... uh, rewards our kindness. He rewarded Ruth for her kindness to her mother-in-law. And finally, God exalts the humble. Think of this little Jewish lady, Naomi, and a little Moabite daughter-in-law, probably the least in the eyes of most people. Yet God exalts the humble. Chapter 4, let's stand and read a few verses here. We're going to read down through verse 6. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spoke came by, unto whom he said, 
Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And, he sat, and they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of the people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, tell me. Then tell me, that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must also buy of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. God bless us. As we take a look in this book for a walk in a world that's wicked. And Lord, we know our world is in a bad way and our country's in a bad way. And it seems like everything that's going on in Europe, in Africa, in the Middle East, and here at home, we realize the days are short. You're going to come soon. You're going to send Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that we're ready for him by being saved and living right. God, I just pray as we study this last portion of chapter 4 that we'll be blessed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We see God's sovereignty in so many ways in this book. Boaz goes to the gate. Now, all business transactions were done in the gate of the city. Remember, Lot went to the gate to do things. He was one of the leaders in Sodom. Unfortunately, he wasn't a good influence Here we have now Boaz. He goes to the gate to do some business, to transact some business. And he just so happens to run in to the relative, the closest kin of Naomi. And so it worked out where he would just meet him. And, and of course, we we know that uh, he just so happened to be there. Remember, Boaz just so happened to come across the field when Ruth was gleaning. Remember, Ruth and Naomi just so happened to choose this field. Everything just so happened. And in our life, we know there are no accidents. God is sovereign. And what's going on in your life right now is not by accident. It just so happened that God uh, had a plan before the world began. And before the world began, God knew you. And it just so happens he's worked things out in your life. And you've seen it in your life, some of you have to recognize the hand of God. And others of you may not know the Lord and may not see his hand, but he is always working. And if you're lost, he's working to bring you to redemption. But I like here, he goes to the place, the judicial center of the city, and he's going there for one reason, because he is pursuing Ruth. God's now put it on his heart that she would be good for him and he would be good for her and he's pursuing a bride. Did you know Jesus Christ pursues you? He pursued you before you're saved. If you're lost today, he's pursuing you. He's brought you here into the house of God to hear the word of God. He's pursuing you. He wants you to be his child. I love the fact that God sought me out. Amen. Aren't you glad he found you? He's pursued me and he's found me and I'm thankful for that. And and I love that God pursues us because we're in darkness. We don't have direction. 
We don't have morals if we're without the Lord. We, we have a lot of things wrong in our life. And he pursues us because he wants us as his bride. And so he pursues us just like Boaz now is pursuing the closer kin and to pursue Ruth the little Moabite. And he refers to him as Ho such a one. He's not named here. And we'll talk about that later, but it was shameful if you did not redeem a close kin when their husband had died. It was God's way of taking care of widows and taking care of poor widows. And so the name of the man is never found in Scripture. It's not found later in verse 6. It's not found here. And we realize that it's because it is shameful to not pursue and to redeem those that need redemption. And let me just say this. This is a type. It's shameful that we do not pursue sinners. It's shameful that we do not pursue sinners. That's our purpose here. If you don't realize the world is coming to an end and the, the pursuit needs to increase, you're not paying attention to world events. I uh, mentioned this to our Wednesday night crowd. I thought I have to mention it this morning. China, this is in the Jerusalem Post. China's developing means of saving Earth from asteroids. Now you say it's, that's laughable. It is. But do you know Revelation chapter 16 verse 21 tells us that in the tribulation period, meteorites, 100 pounds plus, hailstones will pelt the Earth. 100 pounds plus will destroy this Earth. That's coming. The world realizes it's coming. The Bible says it's coming, and yet we are not pursuing sinners. You say, are you worried about the asteroids? No. Why am I not worried? Because that's after the rapture of the church during the tribulation period. No fear of that. But we ought to fear for those that are going to be left behind. Your neighbor, your co-worker. And then the whole talk of global warming, we, we hear it all the time. And we actually think we can somehow control the global warming by having Americans drive electric cars. I have news for you. There's billions of people that aren't going to drive electric cars. And they're going to increase global warming. There's not one thing we can do about global warming. Because that, again, is something that's going to be fulfilled in the tribulation period. According to Revelation chapter 16 and verse 8, the sun will scorch men. Do I worry about that? What's the answer? No. But I have to be concerned about sinners in this world that don't realize the tribulation period is coming. That wrath of God on the earth. It's, it's to reach the Jews and bring them to Christ. But we are just, just going along, securing our pensions and living our life and enjoying our meals out and all that. There's nothing wrong with all that. But we've lost focus as a church. When I read of the great preachers of, uh, when England was a great country, they had great preachers. And the early preachers of America that sometimes preached 15 times a day on street corners. Think of that. And the evangelism and the revivals that took place in the early days. And now we don't even want to share the gospel with our next door neighbor. It's concerning because Jesus is coming soon. And the rapture is going to take place. So here, back to our text, we find here, he seeks this man out. He says to the kinsman, kinsman that Naomi's come back from Moab, and she's got some land. And uh, if you want to redeem the land, you can redeem the land. 
And of course, he didn't tell them the rest of the package deal, but with that would also include Naomi's daughter-in-law because Naomi's son had died. If you redeem the land, Boaz reminded him that you'll have to also redeem Ruth. So the guy said, well, I'll take the land, I'll redeem it, I'll do that, until he heard that it included Ruth. Naomi's land was important, and sometimes land is more important than souls to us, uh, but we have to realize that people are more important than things. People are more important than things. And, and, and so the most important part of this package was Ruth. The, person, the, the reason for a Leverite marriage, that's what it's called, Leverite marriage, was, as I said earlier, to take care of widows, make sure they're provided for and protected. And then he says, well, I can't redeem it for myself. Um, you know, I just can't. It'll cause me too many problems with, with my will and my inheritance. Isn't that interesting how that changed? And I find it interesting that, that uh, Boaz didn't call him on it, but that's because Boaz wanted Ruth. He wanted this little bride, this little Moabite, for himself. Now, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 23 and 25. We'll go to 23 first. This, you know, I want you to see it, however. Deuteronomy chapter 23, and then we'll go to chapter 25. In chapter 23... Verse 3, just to remind you, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. I mean, they're cursed from the house of God. She's a Moabite. She cannot enter the house of God. She can't enter the tabernacle. And this time it was just the tabernacle. The, I mean, the, the, the temple hadn't been built yet. The temple, remember, is the same as the tabernacle, it's just more physical. The tabernacle was portable. And so she couldn't enter the house of God, the tabernacle, at this time. Why? She's a Moabite. They didn't worship and love God. But God made a way. Did, did you know I was outside of the household of God? You were outside of the household of God? Because you are a sinner, you are not part of the household of God, you're not part of the family of God in your sin. But God made a way, didn't he? He saved you just like he would save this little Moabite. And she had already put her faith in Yahweh and said to her mother-in-law, Naomi, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. She made a decision. And once she opened up her heart to the Lord, he made a way. And so here they're cursed, but look at chapter 25. I want to get back to the Leverite marriage, verses 7 to 10. And if the man like not to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate unto the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up unto his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak unto him. And if he, if he stand to it and say, I like not to take her, then shall his brother's wife come to him in the presence of the elders and loose his shoe from his foot and spit in his face. And she'll answer him and say, so shall it be done unto the man that will not build up his brother's house. I mean, you could actually call him out and spit in his face. Ruth and Naomi could call him out, spit in his face. They don't do that. And I found that interesting. 
possible reasons. Maybe it's because Ruth was a Moabite. Maybe, maybe Naomi thought, well, she is a foreigner and, and maybe I ought not to, to push the issue. I don't know. Naomi knew Boaz. Uh, maybe she knew Boaz was the one. Maybe she thought, well, Boaz is the one. I don't know that, but I do know this. God knew. God knew who was right for her. And we know that the, the end of this is that Boaz and Ruth would produce a child that would be in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, if you look over here to uh, the end of Ruth, chapter 4, the last several verses of chapter 4, you see the listing of names beginning in uh, verse 11, where it talks about Rachel and Leah, Rachel and Leah, and Judah's mentioned, and then in chapter uh, 12, it's, it mentions the lineage going down from Perez, which was the child of Judah. Remember now, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are left off this list. And you find 10 here, besides Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah, you find 10 other ones here, which is 14. Now this is kind of uh, more of a teaching moment that you may not understand quite yet, but you'll find that there's a, the list of 11 of the 14 here. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not listed. Over in Matthew, you find three sets of 14. Look at Matthew chapter 1. And we'll explain this. Don't worry, it's not that deep. But I just want you to understand everything in the Bible fits together like a puzzle. Every name has a meaning. Every number has significance. It's amazing. In Matthew chapter 1, I want you to read just a, a few verses. Verse 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. We just pointed out 11, we added Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And from David to the carrying away unto Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away unto Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Here's 42 generations, three sets of 14. The Hebrew names have a significance. Every letter in the Hebrew alphabet has a numeric significance. Now, there are no vowels in Hebrew. There's accent marks. The D in the Hebrew is a value of four. And the D on the end of David would be another four. V has a value of six. That totals what? Fourteen. David is the king. David's the one. The seed of David, the throne of David, it's all about David. His name means 14, and you have three sets of 14 generations. And the first set's found here in Ruth. So we go back to Ruth. You say, well, that's kind of deep stuff. Well, really, don't worry about that. Just understand that it all fits together. And when we go back to Ruth, we see the hand of God. Because we look at Ruth and we look at these last several verses, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and the Lord gave her conception. She bare a son. Did you know God is always the author of life? He gives conception. Some people discard life even before it's born. Abort people. They abort babies. God is the author of life. So here, God gave her conception. And, and the woman said unto Naomi, the, the neighboring women said, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee then day without a kinsman. And she shall be unto thee a restorer of life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee. 
which is better to thee than seven sons. You, you've got a daughter-in-law that's superb. This little Ruth's better than seven sons. And that's saying something to a Jewish woman. Remember, they all wanted to have sons because they wanted the Messiah. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave the name to the child. There's a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David. And of course, 14 generations. Great, 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 great grandfather of David. They use the word father for grandfathers as well. So here you see how important it was, the timing and the hand of God in the life of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. It all fits into God's plan. You say, wow, that's something. Did you know God has a plan for your life just like that? Oh, not to bring the Savior into the world. He's already here. But everything in your life means something. The child that is born unto you, the child that's conceived is, matters to God, the child that's aborted matters to God. One thing I told someone the other day talking about abortion, I said one good thing about abortion. All those babies are going to heaven. Remember, David said, I, I, I won't see my baby in this life again, but I'll see my baby in the next life. Because aborted babies are safe in the Lord. But God has a plan for every life and for everything. And so here we see the, that, that fact that, you know, they, they aren't sure what's going on here, but, but they trust God and, and God just reveals his plan and it all works out. And Naomi, remember, who is bitter in chapter 1. Don't call me pleasant. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara because I'm bitter. God's been unfair to me. He took my two sons and my husband and I'm a bitter woman. She's not better now. She gets this little bundle of joy. And what does she do? She squeezes that little rascal and loves on him and loves on him. And I guarantee that child was kissed as much as any child was kissed. She loves this baby. And, and we see God all over this. There's some tablets found called the Nuzai tablets. They were found in the early 1800s. And they indicate in these tablets, written in these tablets, this biblical teaching of taking your shoes off when you transfer land. They would take shoes off and transfer land. And that's been proven again by archaeology, just as everything else has. You know, I, 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 I love, love this whole picture of the grace of God. I mean, <clears throat> the Moabites, you know. Descendants, you know, the, the immorality involved in the conception of Moabites, incest. And, and, and she's considered by law outcast, can't come to the temple. I, I love 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. When I was studying this this week, I started sending emails with this verse in it. 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul says to Timothy, and of course, he tells Timothy to commit what he's telling him to faithful men, and those faithful men are to teach others. It's sort of like a relay race. And I heard one writer say that. Here he says, Timothy, my son, be strong in grace. You know what I want this church to be? Strong in grace. Not strong in law. Not strong in rules and regulations. Not strong in punishing or disciplining people, but strong in grace. I love this little poem. Teach me to feel another's woe, to hide the fault I see, that mercy I to others show, that mercy show to me. You know what God does? He shows us mercy. 
Years ago, while I was a pastor in Okinawa, we had a very harmonious church. It was a wonderful church to be a pastor of. And we had grown to almost 800. In seven years' time, besides people who rotated out, we only lost two families. This is how, how unified we were. One family wrote me, oh, 15 years ago, and told me how they shouldn't have left the church and so forth. And I just it was a gracious letter, and I just thought how, how sweet of them to write that. The other family came back while I was there, and some of the people were like, oh, we got to have them back. Oh, you know, they were trouble. And so when they came back, I made it a point to just single them out in love on them to show everybody that I was going to receive them. Why? I want to be like Jesus. Huh? The grace of God. Mephibosheth, who didn't have hands or feet, would be looked upon in Jewish society as a worthless man, yet he was called to the king's table to feast the rest of his life. This little Moabitess, who would be not be allowed into the house of God, is now a bride to Boaz, and in the lineage, the very lineage of Jesus Christ. The grace of God. I want to be big on grace, don't you? I want to be like Jesus. You know, I don't know anybody who's caused problems here that's contemplating coming back. I wasn't here for 15 years. But I want you to know this. If they do come back, I'm not going to make them come crawling to anyone. I'm going to receive them because I want to be like Jesus who said, Come to me all, you that are heavy laden. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be big on the grace of God. And if you make a mistake, I don't want you to feel like, oh, I can't ever face the people at church or the pastor. No, 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 no. All of us are fallen creatures. All of us are dysfunctional because of the curse. If you think for one moment that you don't sin on a regular basis, you better read 1 John, which says, if you say you have no sin, present tense, you're a liar, and the truth's not in you. All of us struggle every day with sin. As long as you have this old nature, you're going to struggle with sin. How dare us look down on anyone else? The grace of God. I love the grace of God. We're going to be strong in grace. I love Boaz. Several things we know he does here that I love. First of all, he, he, <clears throat> Boaz, like Jesus, provided redemption. He paid. He, he paid it all. Look at verse, verse 9 here. We didn't get that far in our reading, but go back. Ruth 4, 9. says here, And Boaz said to the elders and, all, and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day. I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's in the hand of Naomi. I, I've paid the price. Jesus did that on Calvary. He paid the price. He paid it all. I'm so glad he paid my redemption. And my sin debt must have been great. I know what I was. Yeah, you say, well, you were just a young kid when you say, oh, I understand that, but I knew my thoughts. I know my depraved flesh. You know, don't tell me a 12-year-old doesn't realize his depravity. They do. The grace of God hath appeared to all men. All men are born with a conscience, and we all know what we are. We all know what we were. Because God exposed it to us. I knew I was a rascal. I knew I had sin in my life. And yet Boaz pursued me, and Boaz, the Lord like Boaz pursued me, and the Lord like Boaz purchased my redemption. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. 
And then all the neighbors said, we hope your life is like the life of Faraz, which uh, he had many, many children. We hope you have many children, and we don't know about that. But here you have in the lineage of Christ this Moabite. And let's not forget, as we, we conclude this, we can't forget the lineage of Christ included Bathsheba, Uriah the Hittite's wife, who committed immorality with David. It also includes Tamar, who acted like a prostitute and seduced her own father-in-law into having sex to bring about Therese, the child, in the lineage of Christ. What does that say about the lineage of Christ? That he could only be born of a virgin because there's no way with that line, with that ancestral tree, there's no way with that ancestral tree that he could be a perfect substitute for our sin. He had to be a perfect lamb. He had to be born of a virgin to be a perfect lamb. Otherwise, he has all that filth in him. Used to be people thought everyone born. You know, if, that, if, their, if their father had done something bad, they, they would say, well, there's no way that that kid can ever amount to much because his dad's in prison. And, of course, they go back to Genesis to say the tenth generation's cursed, and so this kid can't be anything because his dad's in jail. And we've learned that that law does not apply when the grace of God is involved. I'm so glad. I don't know about my ancestral tree, but I'm sure there were some bums in my ancestral tree. And there were in yours as well. Because all of us are fallen people. But I'm so glad that, that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, that curse was broken. And I had the opportunity to trust Jesus as my Savior. I'm fortunate to have a, a great heritage that I know of immediately. My grandparents were Christians. My uncles and aunts are all professing Christians. All, all my brothers and sisters are in church. I'm so thankful for the heritage I have. But I'll guarantee you there was a bum somewhere in the line. And you know there was in yours as well. You know why I know that? Because I know there's sin in my heart sometimes. The Bible says our sin is desperately wicked. Our mind is reprobate. Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. You've heard me quote that a hundred times. And that means in your flesh is no good thing either. Our flesh is wicked. Yet, yet we're part of the family of God because Jesus paid it all. He purchased us as his bride. And he's going to clean us up. And one day in my robe of white, I'll meet the Lord in the air. And he, he is the one who cleansed my garments. All my righteousness were as filthy rags. Thank God for Jesus today. Do you know him today? Do you know the Lord today? If you don't, you're welcome to come forward and we'll take a Bible and show you how to be saved. If you're here today and, and you have any other thing in your life that you need to come and pray for, our, our church doors are always open, our altars are always open, and we want you to just come. And pray and receive the Lord. Thank God for Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Lord, for your sovereign hand in the lives of these people in the book of Ruth. Boaz, Naomi, and Ruth. What a great book it's been, Lord, for us. Great story of redemption, of bitterness, of reward.